let's get ready to banter! Welcome back to a tale of two rivals plus one. A fantasy football podcast put on by a three-peat champion, a numbers-loving nerd, and our ever-eloquent plus one slash host that tries to bring you the best possible fantasy football podcast out there. Who am I joined by? Joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. I know we missed last week. We had a couple of issues, a COVID scare. Sean's back. You just weren't ready to do it last week, but it feels like it's been forever. The first time in forever. I'm glad to glad to be back, guys. Let's get going. Let's do this. I'm stoked to be back. As you can tell, my intro was all over the place. I was just too excited. Do we have a plus one? Yeah, the walrus is here. He's not 100%, but he is in the mix. Like Dave said, this this week has been a year. So I'm just excited to have, have a nice break, yuck it up with you fine gents, and dive into it. It's a pleasure to see you. It's a pleasure, well, not to see you, to hear you. Gentlemen, so check it in real quick. I'll start off. So I'm off and running with doing some preliminary work for uh, rookie profiles, obviously landing spots and other information coming out. It's going to make me probably have to rewrite it, but Road to the Draft story can kind of be written at this point. I finished my first profile for the IDP guy's um, rookie mag, and it was on Travis Etienne. So spoiler alert, He's really good. Look out for that. And uh, Dave, I think you have quite a bit to share, don't you? It's been a busy month. I added 230 college prospects to my rookie database the last couple of weeks, including 154 2021 prospects. That was a grind to get all that stuff updated. Glad that's out there. So I'm going to start diving in. But uh, yeah, and then I also made a an update to my 2020 weekly database that I did all season. But what I did was I made that people can sort the weeks like, so if you select week four through nine, it automatically calculates those stats, their ranks, their metrics for just those weeks. Pretty proud of that one that took a little technical prowess, but it's pretty, pretty cool. So I'm excited about that one. That's free, just like the prospect database. And then Todd, we're rolling. It's 2021. This is going. And I just got a notification that Sean just rejected one of my trade offers. So that's Happily lovely. So. And, uh, but you can find all that stuff and more on my Patreon, FF underscore Spaceman. Todd, quick question before Sean gets to tell us what he's doing. Do you, I, I feel like Sean lied to me about his RB ranks beforehand because I'm offering a guy that he had ranked higher than the guy that uh, I'm offering him. So, or vice versa, whatever that is. So he would be getting his higher ranked player. I'm confused. Dave, you're confused because you're thinking too much about it. You have to separate the rankings from what I'm doing with my team in regards to trading with you. You just refuse to trade with me. Just flat out won't trade with me. Well, I don't want to make this like the fun of this is the difficulty of it, right? If I just gave it up to you on the first date because you bought me a hot dog, what's the point? How about a little gamesmanship? That was a really weird analogy, dude. Wasn't it? Like the it hot felt, dog reference? It felt pretty spot on. Yeah, I've made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> I'm not putting any condiments on that hot dog I'm trying to buy you. I'll tell you that much. Oh, God. I'm, I, we can't go down this rabbit hole again. Uh, <laughs> Sean, what have you been up to? Wanted to plug Kits Cubed, K-I-T-S Cubed. Was reading about it. It's a nonprofit out of Oakland that was started by a couple of high school kids to help during these ravaged educational times in this pandemic. It's supplying school-aged kids with full science experiments that they can do in their house to try and expose them to the things that they're missing because they're not in school 
and to try and spark some interest and some knowledge of the sciences and help these kids that are unfortunately stuck at home, have to just do things remotely. And it's fully donations-based. Parents can just sign up and the kits will get shipped to the house for the kids. So was reading it, loved it, felt pretty inspired by it, figured it'd be worth mentioning. I love that. I'm definitely going to dig into that more, not mid-recording. That sounds fantastic. Kennedy, question of the day? The question of the day. Here at the end of January, nights are coming early. It's still coronavirus. And nothing's going to lift the spirits like your favorite bad movie. And just to, just to quantify that, by bad movie, I don't mean something along the lines of Miss March, which is just terrible. I mean just an enjoyably bad movie like Demolition Man, the late Batman movies that had Val Kilmer and George Clooney in it, your Point Breaks, your Deep Blue Seas, anything along those lines. So Dave... I almost don't want to ask you because I don't want you to answer this question, but what is your favorite bad movie of all time? It's probably Rocky four. And I feel like that's controversial. I, I, I know that, but I'm going to just say, yes, there is some nostalgia. Rocky's a great character, the great soundtrack, like the cinematography, the way the camera worked for that, the draw, the Drago fight was unbelievable, but I'm not sure there was a more unoriginal uh, writers between I'm actually not sure which was more unoriginal the writers for the latest Star Wars trilogy or Rocky four they literally copy pasted the Rocky three script onto Rocky four it was it was pretty late and then the Cold War era propaganda for this film was pretty poorly conceived because Apollo is actually the aggressor so what we're supposed to get mad at Russia now because Apollo's like all like up in Drago's business I, I don't get it and then the only way you can add conflict apparently in Rocky's life as if a main character dies like a Mickey and now it's Apollo. And then there's a solid 15 minutes of musical montages and flashbacks. So that soaks up a good, I don't know, 15% of the movie at least. You're right. It wasn't enough. There should have been more. And then that James Brown thing. Yeah. Oh, God. Have you ever seen fake 30 for 30 that College Humor made? No. Oh, you have to watch it. It is absolutely incredible. They do a bunch of fake interviews with people about the importance of this fight in ending the Cold War. It's not good. It's not good. My last comment is, I'm sorry, but if Apollo and Rocky were these great fighters, these great American boxers, you're telling me you can't beat the one-dimensional draw? Come on. Very one-dimensional fight. And his strategy was just get punched for 12 rounds and then win? Like, give me a break. You just cut the cut Rocky Four. Love the movie, but bad movie, bad plot. I, I just want you guys to realize that I had that that music ready to queue up. I have that soundtrack on my iTunes. So yeah. iTunes? What year is it, Todd? Dude, well, I mean, I bought all that stuff. I still have the app. So <laughs> I mean I've had it for a while. So I have a feeling that I probably bought that back in the uh the Marlboro days. Yeah. Pretty sure. But um, but yeah, Rocky Four. I'll I'll give I'll give Dave that. I think it's a solid choice. It's not a good movie. By no means is it a good movie. So I like it. Kennedy, what's yours, man? Mine is Big Trouble in Little China, which I just ran- I never heard of it. I randomly stumbled across it like nine years ago. My friend and I were working for the town. We were supposed to be mowing lawns at like the public fields. He lived next door, so we were just hanging out at his house instead. And we just came across it on Netflix. And oh my God, was it wonderful. This movie is just insane. 
people develop superpowers out of nowhere. There's some random, like, giant monster thing in Lopan's basement that kidnaps Kim Cattrall at one point, and just nobody ever talks about it again. It's, it's magnificent. It makes zero sense. Jack Burton is the man. And it's just, it's so painfully bad that I'm, like, excited to the point where I can show that movie to my kid. I have actually never seen that movie, and I've heard pretty much anybody who's seen it has like a similar reaction to it. Top of the list, Todd. Just move it right up. You got to watch it. I think I'm going to try to knock out Parasite first. Nice. I like that one. What's yours? What do you got? All right. So I'm going with a double dip because my original answer I changed because it's a bad movie. But then I wanted the sequel that I also love that's a really bad movie. And then you guys both told me you've never heard of these movies, which blows my mind. So the first movie is the 1980s classic, Best of the Best. So essentially, the whole movie is based around the American karate team is being picked to take on the powerhouse of Korea. Now, the karate coach is none other than James Earl Jones. Yes, James Earl Jones looks like a guy to be a karate coach, right? But the voice is phenomenal for the movie, right? So they pick the team, and then the head fighter for the United States team's brother was killed in a tournament similar by the the head Korean fighter, which causes turmoils and a phenomenal deep-thought motorcycle ride along the countryside of California. There's just a phenomenal bar fight in it. That is just so over-the-top bad. You know, the lead fighter kicks a cigarette out of a guy's mouth. Just good stuff. And then the actual, like, tournament fights. There's a vegan fighter. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. But it is definitely a bad movie. And then, best of the best, too, is when the Tommy, who's the lead fighter for U.S., and, I don't know, it's Eric Roberts' character, Alex, decide they're going to shut down this underground fighting ring that killed one of their teammates, Travis's, and then the head villain in Best of the Best 2 is Wade Newton. So it's just a phenomenal franchise. It's just fantastic. It's fantastically bad. The names of people that kept coming out there was very interesting. Like Wayne Newton at the end? Wayne Newton is the, is the owner of the Coliseum and like the head villain in the sequel. It is just outstanding. Just wow. Sounds sounds terrifically bad. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say, Todd. It, 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 I, dude, I, I've loved this movie most of my life. But anyways, all right. Best of the best. If you haven't seen it, you're not doing yourself a service. Kennedy, you want to tell us about the topic? Yeah, so continuing with our recent trend, we're going to be diving into our consensus, consensus wide receiver rankings and talking a little bit about our philosophy of how we came up with our consensus. Talk to me a little bit about your philosophies and how you ranked these guys. And unlike the running backs, we're going to see a more disparate segment of ages. We're going to see some guys who are up there on the older scale a little bit, the younger scheme. You know, with our running back rankings, it was pretty much confined to guys within the first four years of their career. It's not going to be true here. How much does age factor in to this as you rank these guys and contracts, current teams, things like that? Dave, go ahead. So why receivers are the core of my dynasty strategy. I my entire philosophy is that I want to create a long sustained window where I'm contending. We all know how random head-to-head matchups can be in the playoffs. So I want as many shots as possible at winning the title. I want a very I want a window 
And how do I do it? I do it by investing in young, proven wide receivers. So two two to three, sometimes you're one if I really love a guy. But I like to do that two to three window. Pay up for it if I have to. I don't want to take any risks in the draft, the rookie draft or anything. And once they've shown me in the NFL, I'll overpay or I'll pay top top price to get them. And I just want to build through the wide receiver. Because, and the reason is they have a longer window of their age curve is longer than running backs or wider than running backs. And I, I just like that, that stability, the predictability, and that just all factors into it. And because I just want, and I also like the liquid currency of these young, younger wide receivers, because if, as they start getting closer to like that 27, 26 season, before they start getting that dip in value, because everyone hates that age cliff at 28, 29, or the imaginary dynasty age cliff, because it didn't happen until 30, 31. But I want to sell at peak value and just restart that, get a continual, the idea is a sustained window and never rebuild, be rebuilding on the fly, but keeping up that, that window of, of competing and never having to rebuild. So let me ask you a question there. As we've seen with guys like Terry McLaurin, um, Cortland Sutton looked like, you know, this might've been his year before he went down with the ACL. How much does, when you're drafting a wide receiver, in a rookie draft, how much does the quarterback play into it for you? You know, obviously with Court and Sutton landing, they had Joe Flacco, then it was Drew Locke. Those are just bad options, right? But Sutton is a hot commodity. Terry McLaurin, a hot commodity. He's going to end up in our top 12. But we don't even know who his quarterback will be next year. And we went into it with Dwayne Haskins this year, and people were still ready to go with Scary Terry. So how much does that factor in for you, Dave? At times in my process, it's factored more than others, but I've started to not worry as much about the landing spot or the quarterback, just because we've seen how quickly this stuff changes. You know, Tom Brady was supposed to be the Patriots forever, or Mike Evans had Jameis Winston, and then all of a sudden he has got Tom Brady. And who knows how long Tom Brady is? Ben Roethlisberger was supposed to be uh, was supposed to be with Juju for many years. It, there's just a lot of situations that you cannot depend on, and also there's just so many things we don't know. So I'd rather, especially in rookie drafts, I care more about the talent. And then also, too, is this, there was one other actually point I want to bring up because Todd often disagrees with my emphasis on trade value of players. And I this is why I emphasize so much on their tradeability because I want to have that flexibility to keep that window open as long as possible. This is like one of the last position groups we're talking about, but this is where my foundation, my building process starts with wide receivers. So I think Todd and I agree with that. We might approach the position a little bit differently, but we both agree that we really value wide receivers. I don't think I disagree with your statement. I think it's overstated is what I'm saying. And I, I think what you're doing is is you're essentially buying guys that are trying to reach guys that you're putting them over that aren't that old. That's that's my thing. When you talk about that age curve, I think that you try to like hold on to those guys or like they're at the beginning where the guys that are in the middle are still going to outperform them for like two or three seasons. So I think that's where I come in. So I totally get where you're coming from with the tradeability. But I mean, when I get a guy like when I traded for Swift and you traded for him for me, like that was a move that I liked for playing him and where I needed him in my lineup, but also as a tradable piece. And that ended up being cooked for me, which was huge. Right. But, you know, when I get a guy, I, I, I'm thinking about my lineup. That's that's my number one concern is my lineup. And then moving my pieces later is another thought. That's my big thing. I totally agree with that approach. It's just I, I'm more thinking about like, you know, my matchups in the now and then figuring it out as I go. All right, Todd, what about you? Anything to add for your philosophy as you approach this? 
Yeah, so I'm like, I'm with Dave. Like, you know, I love building through wide receivers uh, because, like you said, they're more consistent and like that longer w- window, they don't age as well. So if a stud wide receiver is paired with a stud QB in a great offense, you're freaking set there. So like with Dave, like I get what he's saying, like the QB like carousel and things moving around. It's not like a sure thing, right? So for me, like Devontae Adam and Tyreek Hill are studs. Their QBs really were solidified particularly Tyreek Hill. Patrick Renhone has, like, what does he sign through, like, 2050? Yeah, the world will end before his contract does. And he's probably going to be the best quarterback in the league for quite some time. In the early 30s is when I started thinking about the fade, but it's not, like, a hard fade. And that's not true for all wide receivers. I think the elite can stay elite and be productive into their mid-30s, which also makes wide receivers a lot more valuable than running backs, right? So... What if you don't get out at the right time? So I'm a Julio truther, and he finally broke down, right? Maybe he bounces back for a year or two. Maybe he doesn't. Well, here's the thing. This is an insanely deep position. So there's no need to panic. You could easily stream and spend some capital for, like, your wide receiver three, your wide receiver four, your wide receiver five, depending on your starting lineup. So to me, it's like you invest in those wide receivers. Once they fall off a cliff, it's not as hard of a position to kind of pick up the pieces a little bit. I like to wide, like, run my wide receivers until I can't. But I think my whole point is saying, like, with Dave, like, talking about, like, getting them when they're really young and really coming out, of course I freaking love young wide receivers. But if I can get a stud wide receiver before he blows up, I'm pretty stoked. But I'm still not going to take him over the proven stud, the guy at the top of the pinnacle. In Superflex, I like to build through QBs and wide receivers because I'm confident in the longevity and the consistency. And at this time, There are three young wide receivers who I want as many shares of as possible. At this time next year, I think we'll add one or two to that list. But there's a couple of guys that have proven that deserve to stay in the top for me. I love, love to build through wide receivers. Sean, I'm looking at Todd's ranks. I know we're going to get into it, but just funny after that comment, I just remember Todd telling me that Julio was going to be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver this offseason. I'm just looking. I don't see him in his ranks anywhere. Huh. I can't rant your guy until I see that he's healthy. Well, except for one guy. There's one guy that is in my top 12. I really did not want to put him in my top 12, and we'll get into that later. But, well, actually, one of the guys in our top 12 who I ranked 12 is who he was the reason. So... <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just fibbing. I'm just messing with Todd a little bit. I, I, I don't, I understand where he was coming with Julio and everything. And I think Julio's still going to be good. I just had to, I had to do it. Still fresh, Dave. Calm down. Todd, I'm really surprised you didn't take that opportunity to ask Dave where AJ Green was in his rankings. Whatever. I'm just waiting on my beer. We're good. It's all good. AJ Green was never a top 12 wide receiver for me in Dynasty. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said he was going to be top 12 in 2020. You but said not that. in Dynasty. Like, not my Dynasty ranks. Whatever it was, it was a terrible take. All right, you guys ready to dance? I think we've already started d- dancing a little bit. Let's yeah. Go. All right, so the tale of two rivals, top 12 wide receiver consensus rankings coming in at number one, Mr. D.K. Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks. In 2020, he put up 83 receptions for 1,303 yards and 10 touchdowns. It was his second NFL season at 23 years old. He finished as the wide receiver seven. And last year in his rookie season, he was the wide receiver 32. Now, for me, he was the wide receiver two. Todd had him at three. And Dave had him at two. 
which averaged out to one when we start comparing all of our other guys. So, what's the pros for DK? I want you to give me one pro and one con on DK Metcalf. Dave, you're up first. Sean, there's a lot of things to like about DK Metcalf. First and foremost, during his age 22 season, he he dominated that offense with 24% share of the targets. He had 36% share of the air yards. Great whopper. Uh, Very efficient at turning air yards into receiving yards or a racer. Uh, Was a very solid stat given his depth of target. He scores touchdowns. He can make big plays. And his TD rate isn't too bloated like a couple other receivers on this list. So you don't necessarily have to prepare for a major reversion to the mean to as far as TD uh, scoring is concerned. And that's not even considering his size, his speed being tethered to Russell Wilson. So there's a lot of things I like about DK Metcalf going forward. And you hear about how much of a hard worker he is, how dedicated he is to putting time in the offseason. That's just another thing that gives me a little more confidence going forward in DK. And he's been able to stay healthy, which was a concern of his coming out of college, given his body type. The negatives that I can think of are, besides the fact that I was stupid and had Andy Isabella as a better wide receiver prospect than DK, the only negative I can think of is the overall volume offense. Yes, DK did have eight targets per game this season, which is solid. You just hate to hear the whispers out of Seattle that they're going to try to become more run heavy. However, DK's skill, age, and share of that offense uh, mitigate those factors. Yeah, I love having DK Metcalf as my wide receiver two in Dynasty. Yeah, they uh, they really fell off. There. I mean, what was it, probably week six, Russ seemed like he was probably a lock for the MVP, and they really just fizzled out. Todd, what's a pro and a con of DK Metcalf? Uh, I think the biggest con for DK Metcalf is being in Seattle. I think Seattle is one of those teams that it's really hard to get a handle on. Like, you know, they're letting Russell Wilson like go and like he's starting to rip it. They go back to the run. Like, I I, I hate to say it. I think it's time to move on Pete Carroll, but that, that is what it is. But DK, he's checks every box you want in a wide receiver. He's gigantic. He's athletic. He's skilled. This was a guy that when he came out, I was bigger on A.J. Brown than him, and, and Metcalf was getting a lot more of the like, the hype, you know, and I kept making comments about the fact that he just happened to look better with his shirt off than the other guy. But DK's legit. I think the biggest thing from DK that you can really point at is his ceiling. It's almost limitless. Like, you don't really know where it could go up to. But the reason why I had him three is, I feel like his ceiling might just be barely over the other two guys I have above him. Being over those two guys would be kind of insane. Yeah, no, DK definitely looks like the guy for anybody under the age of 25 that would be the, probably the best the best wide receiver asset under 25. Yeah, he can definitely do a whole hell of a lot more than just run in a straight line like some of the uh, combine analysis had him pegged for. I, 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 you know, I watched a lot of tape and I, that's what I saw, man. I, that's what I saw. I really did. I wanted, I wanted to find a reason to like him and I couldn't find it. And I was wrong and that's fine. All right. Coming in at number two, Devonte Adams of the Green Bay Packers, who this season on 115 receptions had 1,374 yards and 18 touchdowns. It was his seventh NFL season. He's 28 years old. He was the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 24. And it's worth noting as the wide receiver one this year, he didn't even play in every game. 
and he still put up those numbers. Now, I did not expect to have him at number two. I really thought he was a lock for the one spot. He was my wide receiver one. He was Todd's wide receiver two. But Dave, you knocked him all the way down to wide receiver five. What's up? It's awful hard to find negatives about a wide receiver who had a 34% target share of his offense. That is elite. That word gets thrown around too often. But Devontae Adams' opportunities is elite within that offense, and he earns every bit of it. He is an amazing wide receiver. Not only does he get the targets, but he gets the air yards, 38% share of Green Bay's air yards. Combine that into a .79 whopper or weighted opportunity rating, which is astounding. Extremely, extremely unbelievable opportunity metrics from Devontae Adams. And not only is that, but he's very effective at turning it into fantasy points. Uh, One of the highest fantasy points over expected among the wide receiver position this season. He scored a ton of touchdowns. And that actually brings me into what I am concerned about with Devontae Adams. I'm worried about his touchdown rate. I think it's almost 17% or 15% TD rate off the top of my head. That is definitely hard to carry over year in, year out. Expect a little bit of reversion there. Some rumblings that Aaron Rodgers might not want to be there. I am not a Jordan Love uh, believer at all. That whole offense, you can get less trips to the, the red zone, less first downs, less overall volume that offense. If Aaron Rodgers is not there, I do not believe in Jordan Love. So that's my concerns with Devontae Adams. And let's be honest here. I'm an ageist. I hate to say it, but I'm an ageist when it comes to dynasty. I think there is value to be had in older players. But the way I approach the position as a baseline is I'm an ageist. And, it, and it's, it's tough to say that, but it's the truth. Oh, you are. You are. Well, you know, Todd is a little sensitive to ageism. Oh, very. I'm still in my prime, baby. Yeah, I mean, I just find it funny that, like, Dave's talking about how we trust the talent. It doesn't matter about the quarterback. All of a sudden, the guy turns 28, and Dave's like, I'm out. Now, I get his point. Like, he wants to invest more of his capital in a guy that's, you know, on the younger side. I get that. But those guys are might not even reach what Devontae is doing now. So, now, this is, I actually had Devontae Adams as one, and then I changed it. And the reason I did was he had eight weeks where he was top, like a top 24 wide receiver. So that means he had some pretty bad weeks. He had seven top six weeks and he had five finishes in the top two. So he's a monster when he's a monster. But the guy at three was just a little bit more consistent with a little bit better of his future ahead of him when it comes to who he's tied to. But there's no doubting Devontae Adams is a freak and a beast and he's absolutely somebody that should be on a contending team if you are not contending you have Devontae Adams you should be selling him for a lot but yeah Devontae Adams should not be any lower than two in my mind not even close it's one two than everybody else I mean Dave even if he does regress you're looking at a guy that put up a 10 a 12 and a 13 touchdown season like it's not like he's going to come back and have like not do anything I agree, Todd. He's not, I don't I don't think he's a bad player. I just the way that I value the wide receiver position, I just don't want to I think he's what if he finishes more at the wide receiver four, more wide receiver five, or even like down at ten because of, of things. And now is that the end of the world? No. But I want to be paying for future production, not previous production. Just say you're an ageist. Just say you're an ageist. I think I, I admitted to it earlier, but no, a lot of it has to do I want to pour for I want to pay for upcoming production, not previous production. I, I'm paying for current production and winning. 
So in that mold, a guy that most winning teams probably have is our number three consensus wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, who this year had 87 receptions for 1,276 yards and 15 touchdowns. It was his fifth NFL season. He's 26 years old. He was the wide receiver two this season. Last year, he was the wide receiver 30. So Todd, you were the most bullish on Hill at one. Why? So I had him at two, and I put him over Devontae because I kind of was like, it was pretty tight to begin with for me. And then the Mahomes piece was like kind of sitting there ready for me to push him ahead. Consistency is what got Tyreek Hill to get pushed ahead for me. So he had, he finished the number one wide receiver once. He had five top six weeks. He had eight top 12 weeks. He had 11 top 24 weeks. So that means 11 out of the 15 weeks he played, he was at least a wide receiver too. That's freaking consistent. That's what I want in my top guy, that he's going to be able to bust. I mean, he's going to bust out and be able to like have huge weeks, but I also want to be able to make sure he's not going to just bust. Yeah, I want that high ceiling, and I want that good floor, and that's what Hill gives. I think Blada has to do with the fact that Mahomes is his quarterback. Hill is an unbelievable athlete. We all know what Tyreek Hill is good at. It's being fast and shifty, but yeah. 11 out of 15 weeks as a top 24 wide receiver is pretty gross. Dave, any reason to disagree with Todd having him as the one? Yeah, we want to talk about, when Todd talks about consistency, he was consistent because he scored touchdowns. And I know it's a broken record when I'm very concerned about touchdowns, but I don't think it, we can, it's been proven. We cannot rely on extreme touchdown output. 17 touchdowns this season. That's close to, I think it was close to a 17% TD rate. That's insane. I, you just cannot even, I know Tyreek Hill's good and good players score touchdowns, but we cannot expect that kind of TD output. Now, mind you, I still, he's my wide receiver three in my rankings. So I think, I think he's my wide receiver three, wide receiver three or four. Yeah, he's my wide receiver four. So I like Tyreek Hill. He's a year younger than Adams. So it just, and he's attached to Mahomes. That's, that's why he's above Adams for me, for sure. I like how we can't be chasing that, but yet he's the next guy on your board. What do you mean we can't that, be chasing? That, that, can't be chasing the t- to DDs, oh, you, no, 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 it's volatile, you know? But then he's next on my list. He's the number. Th- he's my number four wide receiver. He's just not my number one. That's just, that's it. I mean, like, I still like him. I just, it, when you're talking about these kind of elite players, you need to find how to separate them. And looking for regression or reverting back to the mean is, the, is one way to go about it, especially when you're predicting future value f- and future points. And that's just how I approach it from a statistical point of view. Uh, this is why I'm the three P champ, Dave. I, I play I play in the moment and I play currently. This is how you gotta roll, baby. It's how you gotta roll. I know, I know. Bow to the champ, but Todd, it's awful hard to play in the moment when there's no football games going on. There's no current anything. It's either what happened last season or what's gonna happen next season. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm predicting future production. All right. So coming in at number four in our consensus rankings is Justin Jefferson. The Minnesota Vikings rookie who had 88 receptions for 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. He was 22 years old, and he finished as the wide receiver six this year. Now, he vaults up to four, largely on the back of Dave, who had him at his wide receiver one. So, Dave, why is he above DK, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, any of the other guys we've talked about that were higher in your rankings? What we just witnessed from Justin Jefferson in his age 21 rookie season was special. He had the second best rookie season dating back to 2009, which is as far back as my NFL database goes. 
and he did it with a 25% share of the targets in his offense, 36% of the air yards, and that's with Adam Thielen demanding a high volume on the other side of the field, with Mike Zimmer calling a boring, slow-paced, I know he's not calling the plays, but it's a slow-paced offense, with Dalvin Cook demanding a a lot of carries, a lot of targets, and Justin Jefferson finishes the wide receiver eight overall on PPR. And he's got the college age-adjusted production. He had the breakout age. He's got the athleticism. He's got the draft capital. And there's nothing that's stopping me from putting all the way up as wide receiver one. He's did it. He only had seven touchdowns. He doesn't, you don't, you're not expecting him to revert back to a mean because he did far better than he should have. He was extremely efficient given his opportunities. I could go on and on about why Justin Jefferson just be the wide receiver one in across the board. And I just like that long window that Justin Jefferson allows for your team. Now, not only does he is he going to produce, but he's got he's a great trade chip. Just everything that you could possibly do, he provides incredible flexibility to your team, and that's why he's my wide receiver one in Dynasty. So, Todd, Dave named off a couple red flags there. The volume, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Minnesota will be on to yet another offensive coordinator next year. You had Jefferson. I mean, no one could have had him as high as Dave. You had him down at five. Why are you taking these other names we've mentioned over him, despite what we've seen his rookie year? So he really should be four. When we get to who my four is later, it's just me being stubborn. I'm sure everybody knows who I have it for, if you listen to the show. But no, I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, I have him at five because, like I said, he's working up to be Hill and Adams. And I just like DK a smidge more. Just a smidge more. It's really close between DK, Jefferson, and the guy I had a four, which I'll keep the name hidden for now. But the thing with Jefferson is, is that, like, he's just an unbelievable player. And, like, the way, like, his route running is just disgustingly good. And Dave's right. He was able to put up a PPR six without an insane touchdown rate. And with the 1,400 yards and the targets is, like, he said the volume was a problem. But that's going to get better because he started getting more volume towards as the year went on. So he really should be the wide receiver four for me. It's just that those three guys are, I just like, just more because of like where they're at currently. And DK, I just think just has a little bit higher of a ceiling than Jefferson, but he, he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. I have to ask you a question. Okay. So yes, you have him at eight. Explain yourself. So a lot of it was based on those red flags, like Dave had said, of the volume, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, new offensive coordinator next year. This team was such a mess, too, the first couple of weeks. You know, Kirk Cousins is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde quarterback in my mind. Um, And I just, he's a guy who, he sits at eight right now, and we could have this conversation next year after his year two, and he could be number one for me. Like, I'm not denying the potential. He could make that jump. Now that I'm looking at my list again, I kind of wish I'd put him at seven instead of eight, but I still think I would take, like you said, Todd, the, the sustained production of these guys that we've seen so far that I have ahead of him. So he'll he'll, he'll move up. He'll I, climb fast, but I didn't want to put somebody right there in like the top five like you guys had him just based off a one-year sample size. I get that. I, I So I respect that. I think the red flags for me are as concerning because one of them is Adam Thielen, who... I think it's a phenomenal buy probably this season for a contender because I think people are going to start thinking about the age and all that, and he's still going to be productive. That kind of, I think that kind of caps Jefferson's ceiling for maybe a for a season or two, but then like he's still like probably be 23, 24 by the time Thielen's off 
and he's just going to probably possibly turn into a target monster. Yeah, so I'm I'm with Dave with the idea of like you know with with, with the talent being there. So I get that, Sean. I, I get those red flags, but I'm not too too concerned about it past a year or two. I would hear you about red flags. So say if he had an inordinate amount of touchdowns. So say if he had like 13 touchdowns and he was TD dependent, that actually would be a red flag for me because it showed me that hey he was a on a low volume offense, but the only thing that propped him up was these these touchdowns, which are can be kind of random. No, that wasn't the case. I do hear people saying like, oh, what? Well, you know, you're putting these young wide receivers up. Well, DJ Moore, you had him up at like two or three last offseason. And where is he now? He's not a number. He's not up there anymore. And year after year, people are looking to, to crown the next wide receiver one. I understand their argument. And I just think that Justin Jefferson has there. It's not as much for projection to get him up to be there. Whereas maybe DJ Moore and other wide receivers in the past have been a little bit more of a projection. I will actually agree with that statement, Dave. I will. It's not as much of a projection. I will. I will validate that. All right. So our tale of two rivals consensus wide receiver number five is A.J. Brown, who had 70 receptions this year for 1,075 yards and 11 touchdowns. It's his second year. He's 23 years old. He finished as the wide receiver 12, and last year he was the wide receiver 15. And did you guys see that he played through like three different injuries this season like he's already had multiple surgeries to address all of them and he just gutted through it from like week four on yeah he showed up to uh walkthroughs in a wheelchair he was he was told that he was out for the season in week two yeah he's a beast just just a monster so he is sitting at number five for all of us dave you were the highest on him which to bring it back to our conversation from earlier I remember when aj brown was coming out and when he was drafted and he went to the titans you and I were both really high on AJ Brown, and that made us sweat. We were looking at Mariota and just thinking, like, this sucks. This is just totally tanked AJ Brown. And we saw he, even with Mariota, he was still pretty decent. And then obviously Tannehill comes in, and the whole story changes. You have him up at three. Todd, for you, he's all the way down at eight. Why aren't you buying in on AJ Brown? It's not AJ Brown. It's not AJ Brown. I believe in the talent. I have a bias with the Tennessee offense. That, that's really what it is. I, it's not that I wouldn't want to buy into A.J. Brown. It's just that my uncertainty and his volume, the fact that they're so run heavy. I love Tannehill as a value play, but I don't love him for tapping A.J. Brown's ceiling. It's, it's more about where he is than who he is. So that's pretty much where my bias comes in. And he's expensive, man. Like, what people want for him, it's just, that's what just kind of gets him pushed down my ranks, is like, if he were somewhere else, I might even make, make my top five. So Dave, on the flip side of that, you have him all the way up at three. Why are you buying in so heavily? Yeah, Sean, you're right. We did have some concerns laying in Tennessee, but his age-adjusted production, his, his height-adjusted speed, his decent draft capital, decent opportunity in Tennessee, he still was my wide receiver, too, in that class. And some of the concerns that we had have come to fruition. Only a 7.2 targets per game this season. Not where you'd like to see a top wide receiver in your dynasty ranks be. But that being said, he still had a 24.7% target share, uh, 30% of his team air yards, and he was extremely efficient. Scored 10 touchdowns, I believe, off the top of my head. Uh, 15% TD rate, maybe a little higher. So there are concerns that he is, you're relying on his uber efficiency. And if that takes a dip or if something goes wrong, 
you might be disappointed, but with his age and his just talent, his age adjusted production, his profile, I'm confident of having it wide receiver three. Um, just the, there was a couple things that I saw too, is that he didn't rely on the big plays like he did as a rookie. He was went up and caught balls in the end zone, was targeting the end zone, showed that part of his game as a red zone threat. There's a lot to like about AJ Brown and his age, his profile. Make me think, even if he doesn't hit because of some target thresholds that you'd like to see, his talent will withstand, withhold his value, and that's why he's my wide receiver three in Dynasty. I love that Dave and I had the same concerns, but it totally adjusted our rankings differently. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you could kind of really tell. Like, for like, so like what Dave's saying. Like, I totally believe in the talent, but like the spot for me is like that's enough for me not to like to want to buy into other people. Uh, when you know, like Sean said, you know, when I look at it again, actually, no. I mean, the, the guys ahead of him, I'm still fine with that, and we'll get into that. So I did have him at nine at one point, and I put him over. I put him up one. Well, I'll talk about who I put him over later, but yeah, that just cracked me up. Cracked me up. Dave and I have the same concerns, just different effects. So coming in next, we actually had a tie, an exact tie for who would be our sixth wide receiver in our consensus ranking. So the first player, Stephon Diggs, now of the Buffalo Bills, and his first season there was nuts. He had 127 receptions. 1,535 yards and eight touchdowns. It was his sixth season in the NFL. He's 27 years old, and he finished as the wide receiver three this year. Last year, he was the wide receiver 21. And to break down our individual rankings, I had him the highest at wide receiver five. Todd had him at seven, and Dave, you had him at eight. It's all pretty consistent, so let me ask you guys this. These gains that we saw from Diggs certainly have something to do with him being far and away the best receiver in Buffalo. He doesn't have an Adam Thielen type there to split time with, but a lot of his success is also due to this huge leap that Josh Allen has made. And I don't want to transform this too much into a Josh Allen conversation, but is what we saw this year sustainable moving forward? Todd, what do you think? So my, my biggest worry with Diggs is, I, I mean, yes, I think Josh Allen's improvement has a huge part in that, but I think the biggest reason why Diggs was so successful was 166 targets. Let's call it is like I love Cole Beasley and he spits hot fire, might I add. But at the same time, you know, you're looking at like John Brown. If they add another wide receiver in the draft, free agency, just somebody who might command a little bit more target share, that worries me about Diggs. And with Allen, I'm a believer. Well, when it comes to the sustainability, maybe like another year. So for me, it's not more about Allen staying the player he is, it's about Diggs' target share that really concerns me more. But until I start to see a dip, I'm I'm pretty damn confident that he'll be able to repeat. Dave, do you agree, disagree, sustainable, unsustainable? I'm sitting here looking at Stefan Diggs, and I think I got this wrong. I think I should have him up as my wide receiver six. Last, yeah, Sean said he's 27 now, but he just turned 27. That was his age 26 season. He did all of this stuff. He had a, almost a 30% target share, 29.7%. That is the cut. 30% is the big dog, the target hog threshold. 35% of his team's air yards, almost 11 targets per game. That is the opportunity we love to see. And his TD rate, not too bad. I think it's almost 8% or very low. on. And so you don't have to expect a reversion as far as touchdowns concerned. Maybe you could expect a little bit more given his volume. 1.43 yards per team attempt. I can't find anything to dislike about Diggs. Now, maybe this is just some carryover, some hate from Josh Allen, but I love Josh Allen now. 
I, I think Todd's the hater now, not me. I like Josh Allen. So yeah, I think I'm going to move. I should move Stefan Diggs up, wide receiver six. I don't, even if they bring in someone else, I don't see him losing that alpha status in that offense because that's what he is. He's a phenomenal dynasty wide receiver. And he was had at a value last offseason because of haters like me who thought that offense wasn't going to be throw enough. And Josh Allen was not the QB that he actually is. So hats off to Stefan Diggs. He should be wide receiver six in my rankings. I think I was overthinking with Stefan Diggs. I don't know what I must have overthought it. He's good. So there we go. One of the few times Todd will argue that I overthought it. Yeah. Yeah. You're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. Yeah. There you go, Todd. I, I'm, I'm here to ground you, buddy. I'm, tr- I'm trying to make you into a winner. Diggs earned those targets and the way that they used him was perfectly, he was intermediate to D just awesome way they used him. But that wide receiver is already on that, that roster, the next, uh, the Adam Thielen. And that's Gabby Davis, baby. He's the real deal. <laughs> no, he's not that level. I, I'm I, kidding, I mean, of Gabby, course. I'm saying he's going to be a good I, player. To split the difference, I think that's a huge buy this offseason because John Brown is definitely going to be a cap casualty. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it's just kind of like, I, like I said, like it's if somebody doesn't come into that offense, that's going to command like a decent target share Then I'm totally cool with expecting days to sustain. That's it. I'm just saying there's totally room for somebody to come in and, and do some work there. And Dave's right. Diggs totally earned those targets. Him and Josh Allen are tight already. So yeah, I, I don't see why it can't be sustainable. That's why I had him where I had him on the rankings. So our other sixth consensus ranked, wide receiver deandre hopkins of the arizona cardinals who in his first season there had 115 receptions for 1407 yards six touchdowns it's his eighth nfl season he's 28 years old and in the last two years he has finished as the wide receiver five now i had him far and away the highest at three todd had him at six and dave he barely made it he was down at 11 for you why so low yeah so i'm an ageist this is this is going into his age 29 season. I'll wear that badge with pride. I'm not going to invest wide receiver six overall kind of capital into DeAndre Hopkins. Now, this is actually take two for us because you guys beat me down when I tried to say that he didn't get uh, enough volume because he did have a 29% target share, over 150 targets in 16 games or whatever it was. Yeah, you guys are right. He does get the volume. I guess this is more of a reflection on this offense. The shine for me with Cliff Kingsbury has worn off. I don't understand why they want to feature Kenyon Drake so much. I don't understand why Larry Fitzgerald is getting the volume he's getting. It's just a lot of disappointing things. I think Ken, Kyler Murray isn't the passer that we want him to be quite yet. His accuracy isn't there. And so that's kind of what this is a reflection of. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, only six TDs, very low TD rate. You'd expect maybe he'd have better luck in that next year, revert to the mean, more in that production. But still, no thank you. I so much. This actually is my least favorite consensus ranking that we have. Give me DJ Moore. Give me so many other players at the wide receiver position than DeAndre Hopkins. I'm proud of you. Now the next step is to accept that you're wrong and move on from it. But hey, awareness is important, buddy. Coming in at the eight spot is C.D. Lamb, another rookie, Dallas Cowboys. He had 74 receptions for 934 yards. Sorry about that. Five touchdowns. He's 21 years old. He finished as the wide receiver 24, which is pretty good when you factor in that he lost Dak Prescott in what was it, week five? 
and then played with a rogues gallery of Andy Dalton and who I can't even remember their names who filled in when Dalton got his face ripped off. Danucci dot like dot Ben Danucci yeah. wasn't that one of the QBs? Brandon Brandon Waddle was one of them. Garrett too. Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> Gilbert so Godfrey. Andy Dalton, the Red Mamba. It should be a shock to no one that Todd was the most bullish on CD Lamb, but he did make an appearance in all of our rankings. He was Todd's fourth. He was Dave's seventh, and my eleventh. So Todd, why did you have him over Justin Jefferson? Okay, this is just me. I'll finally say it. I'm stubborn. I I still believe that Lamb is a better player than Jefferson. Jefferson has had a more consistent like role in that offense. He didn't have garbage QBs throwing him the ball. Lamb looked amazing before Dak went down with Dak. So I still believe that Lamb is a better player, and I'm willing to stick on that until I can see him with Dak again. Granted, we're not sure if Dak will be back, but you know, my gut is that that's probably going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I think what CD was able to do to finish the wide receiver 24 with absolute trash throwing on the ball, and the eye test is there, man. You saw some of the things he did on a football field. You saw the physicality. You saw the body control. You saw the athleticism. You saw what he can do after the catch. That He's a guy that could be the best wide receiver in the NFL, and he just happened to be wasted there. And... One of those guys is going to be gone within a year or two. Whoever it is, doesn't matter. But it ain't going to be C.D. Lamb. That'll tell you that. So, C.D. Lamb, still my boy. Number four might have been too low. Dave, why is he wrong? Now, I wouldn't say that Todd's wrong, per se. But when he has waiting for a year or two for a Michael Gallup or a Amari Cooper to be gone, that's where we disagree. I think you can't. it's tough to have someone so high up in your rankings and have that as a central part of your argument. Now, I understand that might not be the biggest part of your argument because you believe in the player. You, he is your guy and you believe in his talent. And I respect that. And I also like C. Lamb. He, now, he was your guy. He was, he, had, he was a flag plant for you, but I also have some wide receiver one. I think C.D. Lamb is an amazing player. The only issue that why he's not higher for me, and if I'm actually moving Stefan Diggs up, I think that puts C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver eight in my rankings. It's because he's a projection. We you were hoping that Dak comes back. Now, do I think he comes back? Yes, but we're hoping Dax comes back. And only an 18% target share, only 22% of the air yards in this offense. He played out of the slot a lot. That's not necessarily his position. There's just a lot of ifs, ands, or buts. However, he showed enough in his rookie year of why I'm excited. I think he was the wide receiver 22 overall around those, around that that ranking as a rookie with all of the the quarterback issues and the offensive struggles. That's pretty freaking good. He's returning punts that shows his dynamism. Yeah, give me some CD Lamb. Love him. Just not quite as high as Todd, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good player and that he's not valuable in Dynasty. So coming in at our number nine consensus ranking is somebody who has taken quite the tumble over this past year, and it's Michael Thomas, who had a regrettable stat line due to injuries this year, so we won't even mention it, but he's had five NFL seasons under his belt. He's 27 years old. He didn't really even log a finish this year because of the aforementioned stats, but last year he was the wide receiver one in that record-breaking season. Now, I had Michael Thomas at seven. Todd, you had him at nine, and Dave, he barely cracked in at 12. So Dave, talk us through your concerns with Michael Thomas. All right, not to be a broken record, but Michael Thomas is going to be age 28 season next year. That's a red flag. 
he, you know, I don't want to invest that kind of capital into a depreciating asset, given how value works in Dynasty for wide receivers. And then I am very, this is what I'm speculating on landing on his team situation, but I don't understand how Taysom Hill is not the quarterback next year. I get that they could get fancy with Jameis Winston, bring him back with some incentives, and he could be the quarterback next year. But if Taysom Hill, that threat of Taysom Hill at quarterback is terrifying for me because of you know, the targets per game go way down. The uh, effective of him throwing, the, he's not very good at th- throwing the ball down the field very well. The TDs in the red zone go to Taysom Hill and the running backs. That is a big red flag for me. Michael Thomas dealing with injuries. Just no, I'm, I, I'd much rather have someone else take that risk. I don't want that kind of risk. I'd rather gamble on on younger players. That's where I'd rather have my risk than gambling on Michael Thomas. And the last thing, he's kind of a jerk on Twitter. He's not very nice. And I'm joking, of course, on this one, but he's he's kind of a jerk. And that doesn't, yeah, maybe that, maybe some bias from that coming in there as well. But I'm kidding. But mostly the reasons one and two. <laughs> Come on, dude. He is. He's an <laughs> asshole. He's I losing he spots for still. personality. No, I'm just saying, you know what? what are you doing? You know, I, you know, I think uh, stop being a jerk. Stop being a jerk, and maybe you'd be on the spaceman's a little bit higher in his rankings. Not not really, but no, um, I just had to add in that I think he's a, he's a, he's a meanie. <laughs> okay, so Taysom Hill might be his QB, and he still makes your top 12? Yeah, because even when he was with Taysom, like his, he still was t- dominating that offense, like the, the share of the offense with Taysom Hill, but... So that still puts him in his top 12, but... All right, fair. Just, I, I think that ceiling is capped if it's Taysom Hill. Yeah, I'll just jump in real quick about mine. So, I mean, I had him... I had him at eight, and then I dropped... I put A.J. Brown over him. You know, it's just the question marks around, like, you know, the Saints situation. That's pretty much it. It's what Dave said. Like, like that QB replacement is up in the air. Like, I didn't rank, like, any untru- unrestricted free agents in here. And I... Michael Thomas almost is like in that category is like, I don't know who your quarterback's going to be and you're replacing a Hall of Famer. So, but Kennedy, I have a question for you. You put him seven and you put him over Justin Jefferson. Explain. Yeah, that was the one I was waffling on when we were talking about Jefferson that I probably should have had him above. Um, It was mostly just about like when I was typing these out, how far will Thomas fall? Because obviously coming into this year, he was pretty damn high. And as I was going through of just Taysom Hill concerns, I don't really care about Michael Thomas's personality. I could give a crap about him. It's like whatever he acts like and does to people. I feel like he's fighting with people on Twitter all the time, but that's what Twitter's there for. I don't know why Dave takes such offense to it. I'm being, I was being facetious, sir. Oh. Facetious. Again, Dave, can't see your face. You got to build in some audible cues. The guy's team name is Gender Neutral Drinks. Come on, dude. <laughs> Put it together. So yeah, he probably... He should be below Jefferson. I'll probably adjust this. He should be at eight. Instead, that also wouldn't change our rankings, which is good. But I'm still just buying the talent. You know, we've seen guys attached to bad quarterbacks before and talent wins out. Um, so that that was kind of what stopped the skid for him in my rankings. Yeah, I just got one more thing to add on Michael Thomas. So I, I've seen a lot of activity on Twitter about people being like, sell Thomas, sell Thomas, sell Thomas. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. You're selling him at the lowest yeah, possible for value he's ever had. He is not a buy. He is not a sell. He is the definition of a hold because you don't know what's going on there. Like, no matter who the QB is that gets in there, you could sell that better than not knowing. 
I, I don't think selling Michael Thomas is a smart move right now, and nor do I think buying him is as well. You think people on Twitter would have learned something with GameStop and trying to short sell Michael Thomas's value, Todd? But they haven't. I guess not. I guess not. But yeah, it's a terrible time to be selling Michael Thomas. Terrible. All right. Coming in next at our number 10, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver one for the Atlanta Falcons, who had 90 receptions, 1,374 yards, and nine touchdowns. It was his third year in the NFL. He's 26 years old. He was the wide receiver four this year. Last year, he was the wide receiver 25. And we all had him pretty solidly around there. Dave had him at nine. I had him at nine. Todd, you had him at 12. And I'm sure we all know the answer to why he was that low in yours. But why don't you take us through it anyway? Julio Jones was hurt. Yeah. Julio missed time. He got all the volume when Julio was out. If Julio comes back and he's healthy, he ain't getting the volume. Argument over. But I'm not sure if Julio's healthy. So, 12, I mean, I believe in the talent, but if Julio's there, commands targets. This is actually a pretty common theme for Todd and I that we disagree on an offense's ability to support a number two wide receiver as a top wide receiver in fantasy as a secondary option. And I think Atlanta has demonstrated that that's possible. Matt Ryan has that capability of supporting Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones if Julio Jones can return to form. I think Julio is a value. I understand how the injury affected his season and and yada yada, but Calvin Ridley, he dominated the air yards, he dominated targets, he was efficient with his targets, scored touchdowns, good yards per team attempt, very efficient. There's a lot to like about Calvin Ridley. His biggest concern as well is probably durability as well, and Matt Ryan's, his future. However, that offense, I don't think that offense is going to make a huge improvement. They're going to have to throw in Atlanta, plenty of targets to go around. Calvin Ridley, Finishes a top five wide receiver this year. We have him ranked as our 10 consensus. So that seems like a gap between what's actually happening and where his where we're valuing him. Calvin Ridley, very good target for Dynasty wide receiver. All right, Dave, I got a question. So if him and Julio played the same amount of games, do you think that Ridley would outscore Julio for the year? They put me on the spot, and so then I'm just doing my best guess. So do I think in 2021, will Julio score more or less, or who will score the most more points? Well, you know, if Julio if Julio Jones could score a touchdown, maybe I'd go Julio, but Calvin Ridley actually scores <laughs> touchdowns. Oh my god, the guy who says not the touchdown. No, I had to say it. I had to say it. You know, Julio's like your poster child, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, my point is is that if Julio's healthy, he's the alpha. That's it, man. And like the thing is, I don't even hate Ridley. It's just to me, like, I also think they just shut Julio down. They had no reason to play him. Yeah. Julio comes back healthy, kills Ridley, but top you know, top 12, that's fine. But I can't, I have no faith in putting, I can't put Julio in the top 12 now. Oh, it pains me to say that. I'm really disappointed you guys didn't bet anything on that. Sean, you can always bet something. I don't really have an interest in that bet, though. I can't bet anything on Julio right now. I'm too distraught. All right, coming in at number 11, Mr. Terry McLaurin, who this year for the Washington football team had 87 receptions, 1,118 yards, and four touchdowns. It's his sophomore season in the NFL. He's 25 years old. He finishes the wide receiver 20 this year. Last year, he was the wide receiver 27. Now, we all had him ranked about the same. Dave and Todd both had him at 10. I had him at 12. Now, guys, what's the biggest concern here for him? Or actually, you know what? It's the quarterback, right? We can all agree on that. Let me ask it to you this way instead. 
What's the worst case scenario for Terry in 2021? Todd. Alex Smith is his quarterback. That's the worst case scenario. I love Alex Smith. I respect Alex Smith to no end. Rename the comeback player of the award after him. Not great for Terry McLaurin's fantasy value. And I don't definitely think that they're going to get a, a QB upgrade. Uh, David mentioned Stafford to Denver. I thought Stafford to Washington made a ton of sense to me. Honestly, I think Terry McLaurin, like being at 10, 10, and 12 is just more points to the depth of talent at this position. And that's what it is. My biggest concern, yeah, it's it's the QB, but it's not a huge concern for me. I, I just think that there just happens to be nine guys I like more. Dave, what is Terry's ceiling? His ceiling's a top three wide receiver. If he gets a decent quarterback, I mean, what, what he scored, what, four touchdowns? How many touchdowns did he have this season? I'm trying to look real quick four. off the top of my head. He had f- four touchdowns. God, no, yeah, three re- uh, three through 16 weeks. Uh, so... Man, could it just and he dominated that off like he dominated that passing 40% of the air yards, six point like 0.66 whopper, just a lot of uh, just all the metrics that are predictive of future year performance. He dominates it, just came down to poor QB play. And I'm actually gonna disagree with Todd here. Worst case scenario is Cam Newton, so I'd rather have Alex Smith than Cam Newton. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I didn't even think about that. If Cam, okay. If Cam Newton became Terry McLaurin's quarterback, he's out of my top 12. I'm sorry, <laughs> Terry. It's not your fault. Uh, but no, um, and I don't want to speculate, especially like worst case scenario or anything like that. But I would like to think that Washington would be a prime destination for these Q- these available QBs just because of that defense and the ability. So they could then they could go out and bring in another offensive piece on top of that quarterback. Man, it could be, it could be, Washington could be a, a very, tantalizing team and Terry McLaurin he's got all the weapons you want to talk about ability to score touchdowns ability to to high point the ball the ability to get open against elite coverage he can do it all if he gets a legit QB we put him too low end of story that's what it is there's just the uncertainty there hey low-key kind of a little bit off topic Dwayne Haskins to Pitt I like it I like it a lot Pitt fans don't though hey man it's a low risk Nice little investment. See if you develop it or not. Doesn't work out. Whatever. All right. Coming in at our number 12 under protest from Dave, I believe, is Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Bucks. This year, he had 65 receptions for 840 yards and seven touchdowns. It's his fourth year in the NFL. He's only 24 years old. He finishes the wide receiver 32 this year, but last year he was the wide receiver two. Now, I had him at 10. He did not make it into the other guy's top 12. And this is where we ran into trouble here. We each had a unicorn in our rankings. I had Chris Godwin in mine. Todd had Mike Evans in his. And Dave had DJ Moore in his. And none of those guys appeared in anybody else's. So through a very scientific process of rock, paper, scissors, Chris Godwin ended up being our 12. Now, guys, Godwin has had a couple ugly drops. It seemed like the early struggles of the Bucks' offense and Tom Brady being out of sync of these receivers landed a lot more on him. Do you think that's knocked his value down a ton for this year? I'm just trying, where was he last year for you compared to where he is now? Dave? I had him wicked high. I can't remember how, I, he might have been my y, one, maybe two. I forget. I was high on 
Godwin. He was up there. But I did say, though, I know I said this several times, I had the least confidence of, of having him up there because of the, the doubt I had surrounding him. So I should just, and that was my gut saying that, and I, I should have trusted my gut with that one. But I, I think Godwin's, Godwin's an amazing player. The drops, like, give me, get out of here with that. Um, I think that Tampa Bay's cap situation is pretty good. The real fear is that he lands on, on Tampa again with an ascending Tyler Johnson, with Mike Evans, Tom Brady, Gronk, OJ Howard. There, and the, there's just a lot of weapons. Lot, I'm not going to say it. There's just a lot of weapons in in Tampa. And then if he doesn't go back to Tampa, then he's got other places. Then it's just a, a question mark where he goes. So that's the talents there. But I just there's a lot of question marks around him. Todd, your take? Yeah, I mean, I for me, like I didn't rank. For me, Godwin, I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think he could definitely be a top 12 wide receiver. For me, I just, again, know where he is. That's it. Like, I don't know what team he's going to be on. So that means a lot to me. I, I'll put it this way. I'm pretty sure I like Allen Robinson more than Godwin. And Allen Robinson didn't make my top 12 because I don't know where he's going to be. So that's it. Now, I will say that, can we stop the Mike Evans, like, hate? What other records does he have to break? The guy has literally caught like got a thousand yards every year of his career how the hell is he not top 12 after like the inconsistency with brady he still had a thousand yard season like yeah drives me nuts they had to really doctor to get him up there too they had to make it a point because they know that they messed up by not featuring him early in that season yeah and they gave him the respect he deserves like i did on this list Almost a twenty percent TD rate, thirteen touchdowns on only what only a hundred or only sixty-seven receptions. But he had that many touchdowns. Seven? What did I just say? Seventeen, fifteen, whatever that number. Thirteen, thirteen, thirteen touchdowns on sixty-seven receptions. That is a that is a. I don't expect that. Uh, I I mean, my I like Mike Evans. I just don't think he has the the upside that a lot of these other players do on this list. I'll take the proven production at the end of my list all day. He's a lock for a thousand yards. So now that we've talked about Godwin and Evans, Dave, why don't you plug DJ Moore? Why is he in your top 12 and why should he be in ours? It's a crime that DJ Moore has fallen so low. So, okay. DJ Moore, this was a bad season. This was not how you wanted the season to go. There was an injury. There was somehow at times throughout the season, Robbie Anderson was getting more targets. But even when Robbie Anderson was getting more targets, DJ Moore was doing more with his than Robbie Anderson was. I just there was a lot of head scratching going on. Bridgewater was not the the best quarterback for DJ Moore, but DJ Moore proved a lot of question. Like a lot of people had a lot of doubts with him. Oh, he's just a a slant or he's just a, a curl route kind of guy. He was he was went up there, made a lot of great catches down the field. He was a deep he was making a lot of big plays, shut off his athleticism. He showed me a lot of traits. When I was watching, because I was clued in on a lot of DJ Moore this year, the things that I think he is and the talent he has is there. Man, if they if uh, the Ohio State quarterback falls to them, or you know they want a QB lands here in free agency, I love. I just think DJ Moore's got it all. I think he's got it all. He he can he is a great player on the on the football field. Never gonna give you up, David. Never going to give you up, DJ. Never. No, he's, he's, I'm sorry. He's a good football player. No, he totally, he totally is. He totally is. I, he almost made my top 12. Almost did. 
So I could make an argument to drop him down one or two spots, but I just do believe in his ability. And, and it is a little bit of faith here. There's a, there's a little wiggle room, but the farthest that I would have him is eight or nine. But I, my belief is strong. He's got the athleticism, the early age adjusted production. He's, and people want to say like, oh, he had a, like, oh, DJ Moore was terrible. Or like, oh, like, oh, DJ Moore went like boring, but he had 0.63 Whopper. He had the air yards. He, he had over a thousand yards, like 1200 yards in 1267 yards in, in 14 games. God, DJ Moore was good. And people are calling like, oh, he were dropping down his rankings because of the season he had. But when he actually was pretty, pretty freaking good. All right. Well, there you have it. The tale of two rivals consensus top 12 wide receivers. And to run it back through, it is DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, a tie of Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, and a disputed Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, DJ Moore hybrid. Guys, closing arguments. Anything else you want to plug before we take it out? No, I, I think the last thing that I'll say is I will happily stack my wide receivers and figure out my running backs later. That's I've always kind of played that way, and it's kind of always worked out for me. I would like to brag a little bit, which I know is not like me, but I actually started this sat, this strategy before the passing boom uh, in the 2QB league where I went back-to-back with the top two wide receivers in the third and fourth, and that's when like there were target hogs. So that was kind of like something where I zigged when everyone was zagging because it was like running back and like QB heavy. And I was like, made me a believer. That was a long time ago. I can't even remember when that was. Yeah. Wide receivers, baby. They're reliable. They're consistent. And they last. All right, guys. Awesome night. Awesome episode. Todd, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore banterman. I don't have quite the Twitter and following as Dave does, but Dave retweeted to follow me, and people just flocked. People buy into the spaceman, I'll tell you that. I am, oh, I did have something to share. I'm officially going to be a Debbie ranker for IDP guys, and I love making lists, and I've actually already been working on that, so my Debbie ranking should be coming out relatively soon. Um, I'm also, of course, look out for the IDP guys rookie guide that should be coming out right after the draft. There's going to be, I believe, 144 profiles on both sides of the ball for that. And I'll be putting out Devi contact for the IDP guys in no time. And there will be some Devi side dishes on here soon enough. Dave, tell them where they can find that gigantic following on Twitter. God, you know, I'm going to edit out all these, these things about my followers here because I hate talking about my follower count. So, uh, but uh, no, you can find me at FF. I'm FF so humble. No, humble. No, it's just, it's just awkward, especially when I'm editing and I'm like, oh, let's, let's, yeah, I'm going to leave in the part of them telling me about my follower count. But anyway, at FF underscore Spaceman on the tweet machine, uh, I'm a writer for DLF. I'm actually going to write an article for the first time in about a month and a half. I'm going to do that this weekend. I'm going to talk about, I did some testing on RB Opportunity Share. I was able to, in my database, to go back and look at, like, just how sticky is RB, how is Opportunity Share? And I actually even surprised with how well it does at predicting its, like, how good it is in the, like, the following season. And also it is at predicting future fantasy points. Just really impressed with how that metric is. I'm going to break it down, article for DLF. Also, you can find me at the Rookie Fever podcast. I'm a co-host over there with Mike and Shane. And 
yeah, I think that's, I think that's, it. and always find me over on the Patreon. So thanks guys. I, I, but always my first place in my heart will always be the Tale Two Rivals. All right, guys. Hell of a time. Glad to be back. Congratulations, we made it through an entire episode during Senior Bowl week without mentioning the Senior Bowl and how pointless it is to watch wide receivers run against defensive backs in one-on-one drills. And they're seniors, so they're not even the best wide receivers, but everyone's just getting uber-focused and they're making decisions about these players are better when there's more game tape, more production, more stats. That should be outweighing them but what they're actually seeing in the Senior Bowl. So so a round of applause for us for not mentioning the Senior Bowl. Uh, as, a, as an avid Debbie player... Yeah, I agree with you. It's maddening right now listening to that. So, yes, it's practice. We're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. And it's not even a real game when they do play. Hats off to us, too. I think that people sometimes, in a rush to be first in fantasy football, they want to put their stamp on, they. hey, I was first on this player. He was my guy. Make the most noise. He's a sleeper. Whatever they want to do with these incoming rookies, Hats off to us because I think it's more important to understand what's happening in 2020 and reset your board because people are going to be bored come March, late March, before the draft, like early April. They're, just gonna, they're going to have exhausted all the, and they're going to be twirling their thumbs looking for things to talk about when we're, when there's plenty of time to talk about rookies and a rush to be first. But I think it's, we need to make sure that you're correcting mistakes that you made in the off er, last season, evaluate your, your team's the positions correctly and then tackle the rookies because it's better to understand 2020 before you are diving into next season and incoming players. Well said. All right, fine. I got something to talk about. I think we should have a best of the best watch party. Like, do you guys have access to stars? Oh, oh, I, I forgot what movie what? you were talking about. I thought this was some kind of dance off or something. No, no, well, you, you, you get destroyed, David. Todd. All no. I have to do is have one gin and tonic and just whisper to Joanne DWS and it'd be, the dance party would be over. Dance competition would be over. You want, like dude, would, you, would, like you, would you like to come back feet. and say that you're not whispering to my wife? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I wouldn't whisper, but I would just uh I would say... drop the DWS quickly. <laughs> all right. Big guy. Jeez. Yikes. Come on, Todd. God. Stop whispering in my wife's ear, you degenerate. <laughs> I didn't say in her ear. I did not say whisper in her ear. What are you going to whisper in her nose? Yeah. <laughs> I can whisper from a far away. There's lips reading. Lip reading. No one can hear you if you whisper from far away. That's the point of whispering. No, 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 no. There, that, there's for effect, Todd. It sets the mood. You've seen, I've seen John Travolta whisper on the dance floor. I, I'm, I'm calling Joanne down here for this banter. She, she, needs, she needs to set the record straight. It's not that impressive. Well, I just, I'm just glad she didn't get injured. That's actually the, the you did almost give my wife a concussion and put her into a pool. <laughs> that, that, that did happen. That did happen. That's awesome. That's good stuff. No, that's the best watch party. I'm telling you, it's just fantastic. It's great stuff. Great stuff. Come you on. I see that they hired the Lamar Jackson passing coach over 
over the QB or the offensive coordinator in KC in Houston. I don't know how Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a head coaching job. It's so insane. What's his name? They hired what? Uh, David Culley. Never even heard of him before in my life. Yeah, that that's that's very weird. Uh, yeah, I have absolutely no idea how he's not getting a head coaching job too. It's it's pretty bizarre. He could. I think David Culley could be good. I have no idea, but uh, yeah, odd. Yep, I agree. I agree. It, it's such a weird move, honestly. But the whatever. I mean, he coaching hires have been weird all around. Oh yeah, big time. Who was um? Oh, what was the one that like really got me? Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Yes. That one seemed so random. That interview, that opening interview, was the greatest thing ever. They're like, I'm like very concerned for people's kneecaps against the Lions. Very a future concerned. question of the day is what would our a 30 second hype up speech be to a team if we were hired as a head coach? Done. I'm in. Oh, put, put it on the docket. I'm definitely doing it in the Al Pacino voice from any giving Sunday. Love it. Just random yelling. Yeah. No, just my spreadsheets are going to nibble your ankles. <laughs> David's got some pent up stuff going on tonight. Yeah. He was in the basement for a week. What do you oh expect? My God. Poor guys had no relief.